Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Get down, turn around, go to town, the boots scooting boogie. It's going to continue tonight. Are you kidding me? This party will not end. Duval, middle of the week, middle of the month. I can just feel it. The electricity burning through this microphone into my headset. The old school headset covers basically the entire noggin. None of this new crap with... Putting a little, uh, what do they call it? I, I do it when I go out and take walks around the hood or, or Michaelers. What do they call the new things they stick in the ears there? Let me, let buds, me get to it. Buds. Yeah, earbuds. Hey, listen. The only buds I'm familiar with, you don't put in your ear. You know what I'm saying there? You know, you know my wife asked me to take her someplace she'd never been. I showed her to the kitchen. Um, but I go old school, and I love it because you can turn it up. You can get a little bass, and... Then from here on out, man, you just kind of go with it. You kind of get into what is happening as the Jaguars now. You know, I just talked about it with Frank. It's, it's, um, there are so many cliches in sports that are overdone. They're cooked, okay? They're, they're long gone, and they should never be talked about again. They are as follows. Oh, no one ever thought we would be here. Oh, no one ever thought we had a chance. No one believed in us. Everyone wrote us off. I mean, that happens all the time. Okay? Uh, my Boston Bruins are what? 34 and 4. They played tonight. TNT will have it for you. Nationally televised game. Looking forward to it. But if they were to go on and win a cup, you would get that. Georgia just won consecutive natties. They won their final by like what? 65 to 7 or something? I don't even remember what the score was. And you got some of that out of Georgia. It's, it's a calming go-to, all right? You know, we always talk about when you bring it in. No one ever loses a press conference. Urban Meyer won his press conference. Uh, I'm trying to think, um, outside of the guy who failed, in, uh, Scott Gase, failed in Miami, failed in New York. Maybe he's the one exception to the rule. Willie Taggart won his press conference. Everyone wins the press conference, and it's the same cliches about working harder. Well, it's the same deal when you win. There's always that side of it where you got to talk down to the fans who believe in you and say that, uh, you know, no one had us being in this position. That applies for this team. It is absolutely amazing. I keep doing these radio interviews in different markets across the country, and I get the same questions. How in the hell did Jacksonville get there? And my answer is, very, is a very cloudy one because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You're down 27 nothing, and you come back. 
you score on your last five possessions, four touchdowns and a field goal, you allow just one field goal with your defense from the two-minute warning on in the first half. You completely shut down a group that fully took advantage of, you know, bad, a bad offense and offensive miscues that allowed the short field for Kansas City. I mean, you look at two of their first three touchdowns. They went 18 yards on two plays. They took the ball over at Jacksonville's 18 to go up 7 nothing. Then they took it at Jacksonville's 16 to go up 17 to nothing. There was a field goal in between. You can't spot a team a ball on your 18 and your 16. And that's exactly what Jacksonville did. Five straight drives, 47 yards, 89 yards, 68 yards, 64 yards, 60 one yards is what Jacksonville did during their last five drives Saturday night here against Los Angeles. It's unthinkable. It really is. So I, I, I'm asked this and I'm like, I'm confused. You know, it's like, I mean, come on. I mean, come on, Blue, give them an answer. You, they, they, they're asking you how this happened. Why did this happen? And I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I honestly don't. And, you know, I find my self going in this direction, I go in that direction. You know, I, I have said this consistently, and I believe it. Part of the reason why Jacksonville is in the divisional round of the playoffs is because the Los Angeles Chargers coaches suck. Brandon Staley is awful. How is he still employed? I mean, it's so simple. You got a huge lead. Run the ball. Throw high percentage passes. Um, when we saw Herbert miss Keenan Allen on third and goal, that's not going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. When you see just how god-awful their clock management was uh, this past weekend, and of course, Brandon Steele, everyone's been fired now. Um, what was it yesterday? It was um, Joe Lombardi, right? He was fired from his post as the uh, offensive uh, coordinator in Los Angeles, you're not going to get that with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the great coaches of the modern era. He really is. The guy wins 10-plus games every year. There's a lot of similarities between Peterson and Reid, and obviously they're familiar with one another, but the players love Andy Reid just like Jacksonville's players. They do love Doug Peterson. They're going to play hard for him. He's also going to be able to coach him up, unlike what we saw with Brandon Staley. So that's been part of my answer. And again, it's so easy to cover a team that goes 1-15 in or to cover a team, or I shouldn't say cover a team. I should say give answers to questions to a team that's 1-15 in or to a team that's 3-14. and It's very easy. But when you're trying to explain to people that over the last five weeks they were down 17-9, 17-10, and 27, and they won them all? No one's got answers for that. It's a team that will not quit. It is a team that plays hard. Now, let me start by saying this. And I've asked people this over the course of the week, and honestly, I, I can't get an answer. I wish I could. This is something that, frankly, we have asked over the last few years with the Jaguars when it was a non-quality 
football team. It is, it is something that has been asked around here for decades. If Florida State starts slow or the Gates start slow or the Canes start slow or the Dogs start slow, it sounds like this. Why are they in a coma in the first quarter? There were times this year that Jacksonville got away from that. There were times this year that Jacksonville scored on their first possession, whether it be a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, There were times this year where they had leads. And, you know, remember early on, they surrendered leads, uh, some, some some pretty plush ones as well, you know, particularly the matchup. Uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, But why is it that this football team all of a sudden can't do anything early in the game? They're not doing anything in the first quarter. They're not doing anything um, midway through the second quarter. Again, you got to go inside the two-minute warning to get Jacksonville's touchdown this past Saturday night. Let me see. They got the ball back with with, um, 125 to go. And they went on uh, – actually, they, they – yeah, they got the ball back with 149 to go late in the second quarter, down 27 nothing. They want a seven-play, 47-yard drive. The touchdown pass to make it 27-7 took a minute 25 off the clock. So, you know, look at their possessions before there. Pick, pick, punt, pick, punt, pick, punt. I mean, four interceptions, three punts, finally got a touchdown. And as I said at the beginning of the show, that touchdown, halftime break, you come back out. After that touchdown, you score three more touchdowns and one field goal. So that's great. You know, 31 points matched by only one field goal by Los Angeles. But why? That's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, maybe if I knew, I'd be a coach, and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. But I do understand that I have an incredibly intelligent, listening audience. This is not new to you. You've heard it before in different circles, including with this organization. I've never seen anything like it in pro football. I've seen it with every college team around here. Oh, they're not ready. You know the college excuses. Oh, you know, they played down to their competition, they weren't ready for the game because it was a non-conference game. You know all the college excuses. There's no such thing as an NFL excuse. Why does this football team come out the way that they do? Again, they, they look disinterested. They look tired. They look like they were out partying the night before. They look like they're slipping out of a coma. And you can't do that in Kansas City. You can't go down 27 nothing in Kansas City. You can't go down 17 nothing in Kansas City. The last time they played, November 13th, they were down 20 nothing in Kansas City. They came back and made it a game, and they missed some field goals, and they dropped a touchdown pass. I remember the game like it was yesterday. But I'm trying to figure this out because I know that it bothers you. It absolutely bothers me. No team around here has fought as hard as this team. No coach around here has tried to win games the way that Doug Peterson is trying to win games. Can you imagine if Trevor Lawrence got stoned? And what I mean by that is he got, you know, he got popped at goal line and didn't score. Who in their right mind goes for two when you're down 30 to 26? No one. 
No one goes for two. Well, Joey Boza, who to me, again, he looks like a – Joey Boza to me looks like a damn carnival worker. He really does. He, he's, he, he's perfectly set up to run the tilt-a-whirl. If he didn't have that 15-yard penalty, they are going to kick the PAT. But they get to the line of scrimmage, you improvise, and Trevor takes it in by himself. Folks, that's a coach right there that is going to do everything that he can to try to win. Who runs the T on a fourth and one? What? You learned about it since whenever it was taught to you. I forget what grade it was taught, right? What's the shortest distance between point A and point B? It's what? It's a straight line. You need three quarters of a yard. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to give it to Trevor again, right? Have him jump over the pile. Or are you going to hand the ball off to Travis Etienne and, and have him run between the guard and the center or the guard of the tackle, right? That's the quickest way to pick it up. They run a, they run a, a you know, a, a, an east-west, a, a horizontal type of play on fourth and one. And they seal it off perfectly. Look at the block by Zay Jones. Look at what the offensive line did, and that left Travis Etienne one-on-one with Asante Samuel Jr. There's no way that as good as Samuel Jr. has played this year, and I know he had three picks, there's no way that he's going to come up to the line of scrimmage and knock Travis Etienne immediately down with no gain. Now, first of all, he beat him to the sideline, as you know, and picked up 25 yards, but that's not the point. The point is... Who makes that type of play call? And I, whether you agree with me or disagree, I, I'm always going to play the what if. Okay, I play the what if when things go wrong. I play the what if in this case when things go right. And I do it because I understand what fans are all about. And if Trevor gets stopped at, fourth, uh, at, uh, at the two-point conversion, and if Travis Etienne going east to west gets caught behind the line of scrimmage, on fourth and one, you people are going absolutely bananas. But it didn't happen. They succeeded on both. And what it's taught us is to, you know, expect the unexpected. You can't sit there and say they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Uh-uh. They're whipping out the entire playbook. And I think there's more in store on Saturday afternoon. I think there's plays in their arsenal that we have not seen them run this year. It's got to be a phenomenal, uh, it, it has to be, just a phenomenal feeling right now, being a Jaguar fan. It's one thing to lose. And, again, I hate to do this, but I'm going to. You go back to January 2018. Last time the Jaguars were in the playoffs. They were so gutless in New England. Okay, they were yellow, they turtled. Uh, you ever see a hockey fight when one guy wants nothing to do with the other and he just turtles? He, he literally takes his head and, and, and ducks it, you know, uh, be, I guess between his arms and his chest and, and waits for the officials or the, uh, the linesmen to come and break up the fight. That's what Jacksonville did in January 2018 in the fourth quarter with Nate Hackett and Doug Marone. They quit. They were sissies. They were yellow. They turtled. Doug Peterson's never going to do that. Doug Peterson is going to try to win this game. And he's going to do some things in game where you're like, what did he just do? And what's great about it is when you're successful with those plays, it goes away. And just about everyone out there forgets. I don't. 
but just about everyone else does. And that's the beauty of it. So answer me that question. That's all I'm asking tonight. Why does this team start so slow? They finish as well as any team in the NFL. They, they may finish better than, than every team right now in the NFL. I mean, if you can get into the fourth quarter and you're down a possession, you'll take that any day of the week. What I'm worried about is against the – and it's not going to get easier. If the top seeds win and you're going KC, Buffalo, and Philadelphia, you can't play – 45 minutes of football against those type of opponents. So please answer me that question tonight. 641-1010 as we get things started on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Why is this team, at least offensively, totally, completely asleep when the game starts? I don't have an answer for you. And again, I've asked a lot of people, and I'm not getting the type of answer that I want. It almost feels like, you know what it is? People honestly don't know. I I think I just answered the question. You can't explain it. It's um, it's beyond bizarre. You would think sooner or later the light would go on and that they would find a way to do something early in the game. They haven't. Got to fix that. If you're going to win in KC. All right, opening comments brought to you by Shmunez Vision. All right, sleeping in contacts is uh, the worst thing that you can do for your eyes. There's really no other way to say it. And still a lot of you out there do, and that really bothers me uh, when I hear it. Um, you know, nowadays we're losing way too many people. People are sick. Uh, it's one thing after another. You go into doctor after doctor after doctor, and, you know, you're really being looked at basically, uh, you know, neck to toes, you know, everything is being checked out. You're worried about this. You get it checked out. We often leave our eyes alone. And that's scary because there's a lot of uh, disease that is out there, fungus that is out there, conjunctivitis that is out there. You may have red eye and you're thinking, oh, it's no big deal. Maybe it's an allergy. Hey, that could be an issue. That's part of what they do as well over at Shmunez Vision. Don't guess when it comes to your eyes. Just set up a simple appointment. Call them, 299-2906. They're down at the beach. They're sensational when it comes to quality medical surgical eye care. Again, they did a eye surgery on my right eye going back more than eight years ago. Also, Dr. Catherine Shmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, or refractive surgery. You may be a candidate for laser Eye surgery. Bumped to my good buddy today, Dr. Michael Shinatri. Went to have my back adjusted, my neck adjusted. He's two weeks in with laser eye surgery over at Shmunez. Loves it. He's a young guy. He's 35. He's like, I've had enough. I'm enough of the contacts, enough of the readers, enough of the glasses. It's time for me to get set up for the rest of my life. He did it. You can do the exact same thing. Call 299-2906 or go to shmunezvision.com. Care you can see. Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Ah, there it is right there. The truth comes out. Always had a little honky-tonk in me. Nothing I enjoy better than scraping the crap off the bottom of my shoe. 
listening to country music. Where's the party? Is that what Eddie Money said? I think Eddie Money might have died down the road here in Palm Coast. I know he played golf there. I miss him. I miss Eddie Money. New York cop, partially paralyzed, right side of his mouth. This music is just awful. I mean, it is terrible. How can you people listen to this stuff? How dare you? I do kind of enjoy that country dancing or the line dancing. I got to tell you, there was a time in my life where I actually did that a little bit when I was first here. What was that place on Phillips that was country? It was um, somewhere in the neighborhood of like, uh, oh, I don't know, pretty close to Butler and then coming the other way, maybe University. Crazy Horse? I thought that was a sin bin. Oh, it might be. I, I'm not sure. Well, Motley Crue tells us it's a sin bin, right? But Dynasty it, it, Lounge? The Roost? The Dynasty Lounge, is, I think, is open now. That's okay. the one that we inquired about. Is that actually a gentleman's club, or is it a legit nightclub? But, I mean, this was back when I was here in, like, 96, 97. It was, like, all country, and they had the big line dancing. And it was, uh, it was, it was pretty fun. I can't remember the name of it. Uh-oh, I'm checking our text line now. I'm getting 17 in a row that say Crazy Horse. So here's my question, too. You had that one. Then you had the one up at the landing. Remember, Blaylock and I went to a Led Zeppelin cover band show up at the landing at that country place, and there were legitimately 12 people there. Mavericks? Yeah. You don't have those places in town anymore. There there aren't any real country places. His country completely just gone away? Are you serious? Where I'm from, bro, that's like the only music people Kind of like liberal talk? Is this this gone away? NPR. (laughs) I didn't say that. I didn't. This is sports, damn it, Baloo. Tell us how we're going to get things done on third down. All right. I'm just, uh, I'm on an an extra dose of happy pills today. There's really no other way for me to say, just score early. Stop putting yourself in such a damn hole. Play with them. Fight with them. Call the right plays. Execute the right plays. You know, it's, it, I hate to feel as though I'm complaining because they're winning, but damn. I mean, there's enough people just dropping dead uh, as is. I mean, Jag fans, because of the stress of the game, feel free to pick up a first down in the first quarter. Three and out or an interception. And by the way, the numbers for Patrick Mahomes, uh, excuse me, Trevor Lawrence just shattered over the last week when he, you know, threw his four picks. I I was grinding out some numbers a little bit earlier today before the program. Look at this. Even with the uh, the four picks that Trevor threw against L.A., since they faced off against one another, in week 11, Trevor Lawrence is 7-1. Patrick Mahomes is 7-1. Trevor Lawrence has completed 66% of his passes. Patrick Mahomes has completed 
90% of his passes. Touchdown to interception ratio, Trevor Lawrence, 16 to 6. Patrick Mahomes, 16 to 5. Nearly identical. And again, Trevor had that disaster in the first half, but showed a lot of guts, man. Showed a lot of guts. Um, are we on YouTube tonight? I, I know that we've been cutting back on, in, on a couple of things. I want to make sure we're on tonight. We are on YouTube. We were able to afford that tonight. All you got to do is go to 1010XL's YouTube page, and we're the first video. We're live. Share us with your friends. Give us a like. By the way, we've gotten so many texts and calls in the last two minutes about bars. Apparently, uh, eight seconds is one. It could be eight seconds that you're talking about. But most people believe it to be Charlie Horse or uh, uh, Crazy Horse. We got a ton on Crazy Horse. We got a bunch on Shades. Shades sounds like an adult establishment. We got a bunch here on Mavericks. We got a couple here on Sensations, which I'm guessing is a um, is a gentleman's club. But these were all our listeners hang. I mean, they know all about <laughs> yeah. these places. So we're we're taking them at their word. The crazy uh, this is from JB. The crazy horse was on Phillips and University. That was it. That absolutely was it. All right, we got a, the Philly Godfather. We got to check the money here in about ten. All right, we got to find out what's going on. Um. You know, last week, what, four and two with the home teams. Uh, the underdog was five. Uh, the underdog was four and two because uh, Tampa did. They were a home dog and, and they and they lost. But I, I see a bunch of callers on here, JJ. Is there is there one caller on here that can answer the question that I desperately want an answer to? And that is why this football team starts so slow absolutely we got two on the line well let's grab one we'll start it we, we got to go with turbo ladies and gentlemen who is up on into the night welcome uh thank you rick uh i'm sorry i, I believe our game plan has been a little conservative early in the past couple of games and the problem is trevor needs to be unleashed he just needs to let him go. He needs to run a little bit more, but they need to let him go. They they start out conservative, and when they let him go, he does everything he needs to do. All right, uh, you know that's that's not bad. It's it, it's something. Um, I'm one of those who really believes that you need to run the football. I'm all about the balanced attack. I mean, I look at what's going on again this weekend. And you have three rookie defensive backs with Kansas City. They knew exactly what their issue was going into the draft. They used a first-rounder on Trent McDuffie. They used a fourth-rounder on Joshua Williams. They used a seventh-rounder on Jalen Watson. And they also used a second-rounder on a safety in Brian Cook. So you look at what this organization did – they're trying to stop the pass. Now, they got a decent pass rush, obviously, with Chris Jones and, and some veteran players there like Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap and, and what have you. But to me, uh, this football team in this game still has to find a way to have some success running the football. There's only a few teams in the league that flourish on a week-to-week basis by getting it done with basically the pass only. And Kansas City's one of those teams. 
Kansas City is going to line up in three wide receiver sets, and they're going to feature Travis Kelsey. Uh, Kansas City's not going to line up and try to run the football. Righty, Jacksonville, they're one of the few teams in the NFL that can do it the way that they do it because they're so talented offensively. Do you trust Jacksonville to begin the game and do things like that? I don't. I, I think you need to be able to run it as well with Travis Etienne and you know keep that, that side of the football, keep Kansas City's side guessing on what you are going to be able to do. Just my opinion there. Let's grab one more, then we'll bring in the Philly, uh, the Philly Godfather. Um, is it uh, Michael who is next up? It is you. You are into the night, Michael. Welcome. How are you doing tonight, good. Rick? Good, doing good. Now I went to Florida State in 1987. Same as you. Ah, the stories that we could probably compare. The uh, lot, li- the lies yeah, that we could come up with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, my theory is on why we start so slow, especially over the – it's been the last part of the season, is they have this script that they use. And I think teams are kind of figuring out what we're going to do through the first half or first half of quarter or even the first half of the game. So I think that actually needs to be changed up a little bit to keep the opponent on their toes. Hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's my theory on it. Appreciate your phone call. And, uh, again, I'm not going to uh, dismiss decades and decades and decades worth of coaching, but I have never been a fan of pregame scripted plays. I I just – and I I understand it's their job, okay, and I get it. I mean, everyone's working and working hard, and every coaching staff works harder than the opposing coaching staff. But to me, in-game scripts change, especially if you're on defense first. If you have 15 offensive plays scripted, what if the opponent goes 10 plays, you know, 75 yards, takes seven and a half minutes off the clock? Is it is it the same deal? Or – is it completely flipped if, like what we talked about here a little bit earlier, if you're Los Angeles and boom, right out of the gate, you get the ball at Jacksonville's 18-yard line because of an interception, are you going to stick to that same game plan when you're already in the red zone the first time that you get the football? So I'm sure that plays are scripted to different scenarios throughout the game, but it's an interesting point that the caller just made because Jacksonville becomes very unpredictable late in the game. And again, I started the show tonight off by kind of playing the what if it with you. What if, what if Trevor got stopped at the goal line on the two-point conversion? All of you folks listening would have been complaining, and I get it. I would have complained with you. And what if Travis Etienne on a tee, an old-school tee, a Walter Camp-designed T formation, okay? What if he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage and they lost the game and the season was over? Can you imagine what this radio station would have been like this week? That's the beauty of it. We're all armchair coaches. We're all armchair quarterbacks. And when the play works, it immediately evaporates. And it's almost as if, how dare you, Baloo? Why would you even mention that? Well, that's the way I've always thought. I'm always 
I'll think that way when I get in here on Monday, regardless of what happens in this game. That's just the way I'm wired. But I'm also kind of bragging here because what I'm trying to show is that Doug Peterson is like, hey, listen, hey, Duvall, this ain't Nate Hackett, okay? This ain't Doug Marone. I'm not sitting on some lead. I'm going to try, or I'm not sitting on it and we'll punt and we'll get it. Nah, no, I'm going to try to win this game. So you got to give the guy the ultimate amount of credit. And I've been bragging about this staff all year. These guys are prepared. If they can do it in the third and fourth quarter, why can't they do it in the first quarter? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Why are they so behind the... Why do they put themselves in this situation? I mean, it's amazing to me. It really is. If if you're a salesman and you do a quarterly and you let the first couple of months go by and you got nothing and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the... You know, the last part of the month, you're scrambling, you're working 12, 14, 16-hour days just to hit your quota. Why are you doing that to yourself? Why, why not just come out and play for the entire quarter, or in this case, first half? I'm sure it bothers them. They may not admit it, but you can't keep doing that. It's going to catch up with you. You can't do that against Kansas City. They will crush this football team. You gotta match punches with them. You've got to try to put together some lengthy drives, and they can do it. They put together fast drives. I mean, outside of that 14 play, 89 yarder that took 717 off the clock, look at the other four drives that Jacksonville had on Saturday night. It's frightening. Right before half, again, seven plays, 47 yards, 125 off the clock. After that lengthy drive, the 14-play, 89-yard drive, Jacksonville went five plays, 68 yards, in two minutes and 14 seconds. That's like Oklahoma in college football. That's like Texas Tech in college football. Next possession, they went nine plays, 64 yards. They took three minutes and 22 seconds off the clock. They were getting to the line of scrimmage. They were playing fast. They were exhausting the defense. And then finally, the 10-play, 61-yard drive that resulted in the game-winning field goal only took three minutes and nine seconds off the clock. So this team can strike fast. But what I'd like to see is that second drive, 14-play, 89 yards, takes seven minutes and 17 seconds off the clock, run the ball, pass the ball, have some success, move the clock, uh, move the chains, keep the clock running. That's how you're going to beat Kansas City. All right, enough of that for now. Let's check some money. Someone around here had the Jaguars in the over last week. I've never been one to pat myself on the back, but someone around here was a big winner. And a few of you out there, I appreciate it, actually acknowledged it. I, I usually only hear from you when I'm wrong. Uh, but I have nailed it as of late for the Jaguars. You want me picking Jacksonville. On Saturday. I mean, I've been on absolute fire with the Jaguars as of late. The Philly Godfather is next. We're going to take a look at all four divisional round matchups. Where is the money gone early in the week, whether it's been the general public or the wise guys? The Philly Godfather joins Rick Ballou next. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah.
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Eight remain. The rest all gone. Four games, a couple on Saturday, a couple on Sunday. Let's bring in our good friend. He is the Philly Godfather, and he's one of ours right here in Duval. Mr. Godfather, how are you, sir? Great, man. I can't believe the NFL season is winding down this quickly. I felt like we just kicked off the start of the season. Now we're in the playoffs, and Jacksonville is shocking the world. They won a playoff game, one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen in my life. Big credit to Doug Peterson. You know, we saw the Super Bowl 28-3, the old days of Frank Reich, Warren Moon, you know, come from behind 31-3 type of game. Where do you put this one this past Saturday night? It's up there with the greatest comebacks of all time. I mean, that Buffalo Bills comeback uh, with Frank Reich, like you said, uh, Kellen Winslow with the Chargers oh, yeah. game, I think, against the Dolphins. That was monumental uh, back in the 80s uh, with Dan Fouts, I think, was quarterback for the Chargers. So just one of the greatest comebacks. I know you don't play a lot of trends, but you do play first half lines. When you see the way that Jacksonville has struggled out of the gate, is that something that you have considered and would consider in this game here against Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, you're getting a better price early against the Kansas City team that can put up points quickly, especially if uh, Trevor Lawrence struggles like he did last week really early and the Chiefs are getting some pressure. You know, going through that offensive line like butter could be in trouble. Yeah. All right, let's get to them. We'll get back to Jacksonville and Kansas City in just a couple of minutes, but let's start. They're going to meet for the third time. It's the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, well-rested off of the bye. Uh, your feeling on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but i got to admit the Giants looked really good last week as three-point dogs versus a Vikings team that won 13 games on the season. But that Minnesota team had a negative three-point differential on the year. Their defense had more holes in it than Swiss cheese. I mean, we got to be honest about how good that Vikings team was. They won a lot of close games by one score or less on the season. This week, the Giants are coming into a very hostile environment. They're seven-point dogs versus a team that had the second-best point differential in the NFC at plus 133, a team that's beaten them twice. And even though New York, I mean, they've been a money-making machine all year. I think they're 14-4 against the spread. I like the Eagles here, minus seven. I think the line is short, considering Jalen Hurts is now 100% healthy. Uh, I checked out the bet splits. As of right now, the public loves this Giants team. 70% of all tickets punched have been on the G-Men uh, in Vegas, offshore, and in AC. And that always scares me. You know, I'm a slight contrarian, so that always scares me when the betting public is so heavily on one side of the matchup. Uh, not much on the Birds injury report. They look pretty healthy. Lane Johnson, Robert Quinn, Lindell Joseph, they're all playing this week for an Eagles team that's starting to look pretty good. Uh, everyone except for Avante Maddox, who's been ruled out. Johnson, on the other hand, they do have some guys still banged up on the defensive side of the ball. Their cornerback, their defensive back, and their outside linebacker were limited in practice. The good news, though, for uh, Giants fans is that Dory Jackson was a full going practice today, so that should help. Uh, I laid some seven on the Eagles. Uh, I also have a giant teaser. Mm-hmm. Eagles had a pick, and uh, Chiefs minus one. That's one of my biggest bets of the year. I just think this Eagles defense is just a lot better than that Vikings defense. Eagles defense was ranked first in the NFL this year in opponent yards per play. The Vikings were ranked 29th. This is going to be a different type of game this week. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on uh, your picks last week, including your two-team teaser. With yeah. Jacksonville and Cincinnati, you paid. Yeah, we won some money last week. Yeah. Always a good 
yeah, yeah. Not always the case, Rick. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Now you say seventy percent. Is that seventy percent of the betting slips or seventy percent of the money? Do you know? Seventy percent of the uh, bet splits. Uh, okay. Usually, okay. the bigger money will side with the sharp action, but you look at the bet splits. The tickets punched see who the betting public's on. And right now, I mean, how can they not bet the Giants? They've been covering all year, so they're just going to ride them until the wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, uh, first one on Sunday, that is Cincinnati and Buffalo. Of course, they met. Game was canceled, uh, you know, three quarters through the uh, the first quarter uh, because of that awful incident. But now they're going to get it on here in Buffalo. And again, you know, weather certainly appears to be a factor there. Yeah, and we saw some early market movement on the side here with the Bills going from minus four to minus five. And I agree with the move. I mean, the Bengals' offensive line's really banged up. Uh, they're probably going to be down a few starting offensive linemen, uh, which should help, you know, Ed Oliver and Greg Rassell off the edge. I mean, they should have a big day against that banged-up Bengals' defense, uh, offensive line. It's going to leave Joe Burrow with even, you know, less time to throw the ball. And as I've mentioned in the past to you, Rick, some of my biggest wagers in my life have been against good teams with really banged-up offensive lines, and this is one of them. I know Joe Burrow as an underdog. I mean, he's made people a ton of money over the past two seasons, and I think the Bengals' ATS record is like 26-12 and 12 over the last two years. But I like Buffalo here. I laid four. I laid five. I like him in this spot. A lot of emotion at home. Uh, a little bit of weather. Both teams are used to the weather, but it's that banged-up offensive line that scares me here, and I can't invest in the Bills with a banged-up offensive Man, that was their problem last year, and they made it to the Super Bowl, and they really addressed that this year in free agency and the draft. But as you pointed out, three of the five guys right now are really beaten up along that offensive line for Cincinnati. All right, uh, Philly Godfather, to our listeners out there, please give them your information. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Philly Godfather, and you can stop by the phillygodfather.com for all your sports peg needs. And like you said, Joe Burrow last year was sacked, what, 55 times during a regular season, 20 times in the playoffs. And somehow he ended up a minute away from winning the Super Bowl, which was really impressive. Dallas looked really good. It's a shorter week for them. Uh, the 49ers just keep winning. What's it been now? 11 in a row. Uh, Brock Purdy, it, this is an amazing story. I, I, boy, this is a hard one for me. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of it. What's your opinion here, Dallas at San Francisco? This is another game where the public loves San Francisco here. Eight out of every ten tickets placed in the market so far, have been on the 49ers. Now, that could change by kickoff, but it doesn't seem that way. I mean, I haven't been to the game yet, but when you look at who the 49ers have beaten since Purdy took, Purdy took over, I think he's, what, 8-0 since he took over at quarterback. It's really not that impressive. I mean, they beat up a banged-up Dolphins team that ended up one game above 500. Uh, they beat a Buccaneers team that ended up 8-9 on the season and were one and done in the playoffs. They beat the Commanders, the Raiders, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks teams twice that I miss me out. Seattle had one of the worst defenses in the league this year. This game, I think, is a lot tougher to handicap than what the public thinks it is. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy win for the 49ers. I think it's going to be a close game. Both teams have solid defenses ranked in the top eight in opponent yards per play. Uh, both the 49ers and Cowboys have outperformed the market this year. 49ers 12-6 and against the spread. Cowboys 11-7. Gun to my head, I would probably take the 49ers on the money line rather than the point spread. And that's only because their offense has uh, been kicking over the last few weeks. Over recent play, San Francisco's uh, offense is averaging 2.2 more yards per play than the Cowboys. But I think this is going to be a close game. All right, so pay a little extra and uh, and play the money line for San Francisco. 
over Dallas. Let's wrap it up with the game in Kansas City. The Jaguars and the Chiefs, they met back on November 13th. Kansas City was up 20-0. They held on 27-17. Your thoughts on this game coming up on Saturday? I mean, early on, this line opened up 10. Kansas City minus 10 offshore, and immediately some sharp money jumped on the Jags. It moved this line down to 8. Now it's been bumped back up to like 8.5, mostly in the market. Uh, bet splits, as of right now, the public's all over the Chiefs. Uh, Jags, again, get no respect from the betting public. Six, 60% of the money right now is on the Chiefs. Uh, man, this is tough, man. Between the coaching, the matchups on the field, and giving Andy Reid some extra time to prepare against a team he faced earlier in the year. It's going to be hard for the Jags to stay within the number, I think, this week. Uh, last time the Chiefs turned the ball over three times, still ended up with nine more first downs, 171 more total yards, and they still beat the Jags 27-17. Man, it's a big price to lay on the Chiefs here at uh, eight, eight and a half. Hmm. I got him in the teaser, I said, with the Eagles. That's one of my biggest bets of the season. Uh I guess I would lean Chiefs minus eight small, but I like a much better lane one at home in a teaser with the Eagles. I haven't asked you about the weather in quite some time. Uh, there's talk that it's going to be really cold there, maybe even snow, so that obviously favors Kansas City. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and, and the youth, you know, Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, uh, that emotional. It takes a lot of emotion to come back and win the game like they did last week. So, you know, it's usually a letdown spot after a big emotional win like that. And you're playing Andy Reid, who's got extra time to prepare, and he's deadly when you give him that much time. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. All right, Philly Roost, uh, Philly Godfather, excuse me. Um, give us uh, – we'll hear from the Philly Rooster on Friday, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, your information out there for our listeners so they can follow you on Twitter as well as your website. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. Stop by the phillygodfather.com. And Philly Rooster is the guy that got me started in this business. He was my mentor, one of the sharpest guys out there. There's no doubt, and he nailed it last week as well. Playing, he's saying Dallas was his biggest play in in uh, in, in weeks, and and that covered, and also went down the long road where I kind of like I did. I like Minnesota at home, and he's like, no, 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 you got to play New York, and sure enough, the Giants got it done. So he had a great week, just like you had a great week, and best of luck on all your plays uh, coming up tonight and the rest of the week. Thank you so much. Good luck. There he goes, Philly Godfather. Likes Philly minus the seven. You heard him say his biggest play, though, is going to be a tease with Kansas City and Philly. He um, likes Buffalo minus the five. Boy, when's the last time he's played all these favorites? He's going to play a money line for San Francisco. So forget about the four. He's going to have to buy in, but all San Fran will have to do is win by one. And you heard him say he likes the Chiefs' small amount of money. You know, there are some betters out there. It doesn't matter what the game is. It's the same amount for every contest every game doesn't matter I um I've never agreed with that to, to, to me I I think in of course I don't bet this is back in the days when I did bet but I think restraint is is key the ability to say I don't like the game I tell you right now I don't like the Dallas San Francisco game I wouldn't bet that with your money if you gave me money and said better, I'd I, I give, give it back to you. I, I just, I, Dallas looked really good to me the other night. And sooner or later, this Brock Purdy thing has got to end, right? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, you talk about lightning in a bottle. 
but I do believe that there are certain games, if you feel really good about it, uh, you bet more as opposed to a, a lesser game, uh, you play a little bit less. There are professionals out there that say, forget about that. If I'm going to invest my time and put in the work, I'm going to bet the same amount of money on this game as the other game. I don't know. D- different beliefs uh, with this, uh, but obviously uh, the Philly godfather is saying he's p- going to play just a little bit on Kansas City, minus the eight. Instead, he's going to play the seven-point tees on KC and Philadelphia. All right, so there you go. I close the book on the Philly godfather. Let's get ready for hour number two. John Osher is going to join me here in just a couple of minutes. Do want to remind you that tomorrow night, 6 to 8, Mr. Chubby's Wings in Fleming Island. Friday, I'm in 3 to 6 uh, with Brooksy and I believe Hayes Caroline for a little bit during the program on Friday. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. However, we got much more to do. Hour number two of Rick Ballou's coming up right now. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Roland was a warrior from the land of the midnight sun. We did Thompson gun for hire. Fighting to be done. Oh, yeah, the great album, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. This is Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner, which I do recommend to all you youngsters out there. Maybe even listen to the entire album. Today they actually release the single Excitable Boy, going way back when, the great and late Warren Zevon. Speaking of great, it's time for John Osher. Each and every Wednesday night, just around 7 o'clock, sometimes a few minutes after, he joins us on Into the Night. I got to believe, Johnny, that you were a big Warren Zevon fan. Love him, Rick. I mean, uh, Roland was one of the most famous songs. To me, it's not top 10. I I can go all night talking about Zevon. He, he was probably one of my top three or four. Loved him. An incredible lyricist. Uh, maybe up there with John Prine and you know a, a few others in terms of just turning a phrase. Unbelievable. Man. Yeah. Anytime you can bring me in with Zevon Rick, I'll, I'll I'll come on the show for free. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he wasn't afraid to take on uh, you know the status quo, if you will. He wasn't afraid to go after folks. He was the best. Yep, he was the best. Accidentally, like a martyr, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to the Jags. My goodness, I you know the good thing about having you on midweek is is for the most part we don't always have to look back. We can look ahead. Obviously, after what happened here last week. Um, Looking back is uh, is fun because of what happened in the second half. But uh, my goodness, John, I, I I've rewatched the game. I've read everything that has been put out there. I still can't figure out how they won that football game on Saturday night. Well, it, it was uh, obviously unprecedented, and you're right. To me, Rick, what was amazing is you came back without turnovers. Uh, going in your favor, I mean. And you also came back, if you think about it, they came back without anything extraordinary happening. Now you say, well, of course it was extraordinary. You came all the way back. But they didn't do anything during that comeback that was amazing. There wasn't a kickoff return. There wasn't an interception return. There wasn't like a huge play outside of the Zay Jones play that flips time, if you will. They didn't, you know, Usually with a comeback like that, you need something weird happening, and now all of a sudden, hey, you're back in it. Now we got a shot. 
They started it early enough where all they needed to do was play their game, uh, keep doing what they've been doing. I don't think there's any way, Rick, that they come back in that game if they hadn't already come back from 17, 17, 10, 9. I absolutely have to think that that helped them. When players in this audience are saying, hey, we're still in it, mm-hmm. everybody probably said, well, yeah, of course we are. Why wouldn't we be still in it? Right. Um, it, it, I, I thought very intriguing day. Mike Caldwell said something very obvious, but very insightful at the same time. When he talked about coming back and said, look, as a defense, when you've got somebody on the other side of the ball that you believe in, it's much easier to keep playing defense in that situation. And everybody sort of felt that true, but to hear that in that way from the defense coordinator, I, I said a lot. The team believes they can win as long as Trevor Lawrence is on the field. Yeah, I, I, I thought he said it in a very um, a very interesting way. He, didn't, he said he's seen it before with Brady in Tampa. He didn't want to compare yeah. Trevor to Brady. Um, but, you know, it when you, when you make a statement like that, people are going to do it anyway. I, I still thought it was a phenomenal answer, and, and I agree with you. You know, I, I've been asking all week why such a slow start again, but I, I also remember sitting in the box, and it looked early on like receivers were not getting open early, and they were late, and it, it looked like there was a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence early. And, you know, if you trust pro football focus, which I really do not, but it'll tell you that the offensive line was better than what the eye test showed me early in the game. What can you make of their start and and why they struggled to score points early? Well, in in that game, uh, again, this is Bucky Brooks talking on our huddle podcast a little bit today. Uh, The Chargers were doing some things that confused them early. Uh, they were showing man before the snap and playing zone. And Trevor really hadn't seen a whole lot of that before. Uh, I don't think that necessarily uh, explained every interception. I, I, I really, the first two interceptions weren't as damaging as they were maybe, uh, you know, bad looks. You know, the, the, the tip pass happened. And then I thought Samuel clearly interfered on the second one. So, I mean, yeah, he gets the blame for him, but I didn't think it was necessarily poor play. Mm-hmm. And the second two were bad throws. Um, so, But that had a little something to do with it. And then, you know, I, I guess they came out of that look a little bit in the second half, and the Jaguars went up-tempo, which made it tougher for the Chargers to do exotic defense. So, and then circumstance start going right, and not and not Trevor saw what they were doing, and I, and was able to adjust to it. It was the mark of a good quarterback in that sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very intriguing to me. It is uh, certainly the game coming up on Saturday is uh, is as well. We talk with John Osher, senior writer, Jaguars dot com. He joins Rick Belew here each and every Wednesday night. All right, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Last week, after a 38-10 win against L.A., again, the feeling was, let's not look back, let's not read the press clippings. What about this one? You're down 20 nothing. you come back, it ends up being 27-17, missed opportunities, some ill-advised penalties, a dropped touchdown pass, some missed field goals. What do you get out of this matchup November 13th that you can apply to the game on Saturday? Well, I do think that they can certainly apply – that you can't fall behind. 
and at least not like that. You can get down three or seven, but you want to get down double digits. Um, and I do think in this instance you can apply that uh, they came out of that game thinking they played pretty poorly. Uh, the offense had opportunities, didn't take advantage of really anything until late in the first half. They dug themselves a hole. And they also, if you remember, there was some real communication issues in the back seven that gave, you know, Kansas City's great. And they're the best team in the AFC because they earned that. But the Jaguars' defense made it easy for Kansas City on a couple of those series. Remember the kadarius Tony play where they just didn't uh, communicate, didn't get lined up right, uh, gave him the touchdown. There was some early stuff, I, I think, to Kelsey. I haven't gone back and watched it, but it seems to recall Kelsey left wide open. You know, so they felt like they made it easy on a great team. And I think if you take those things from it and say, you know what, we felt in that game like had we played our game, the opportunities were there. What I think it gives them, Rick, I don't think they go into this game remotely awestruck. And NFL teams usually don't, but... You know what I'm saying. I don't think they go into this game thinking, hey, there's no way we can beat these guys. I think they go into it saying, if we play smart, if we don't give them things defensively, if we can get a turnover too and take advantage of those. I don't think they feel overmatched in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is a really good team. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was really, you know, studying some numbers today. Kansas City's red zone offense, man, 70%. Yeah. 70% of the time they score touchdowns. Uh, it, it, it's incredible. What do you what do? you do? I mean, how do you stop Travis Kelsey? I, do you, is it man coverage? Do you, I mean, which includes a double team. I, I don't think you can do zone with a guy like Travis Kelsey. What, what do you believe the assignment is going to be like trying to shut him down? Yeah, I think the assignment is uh, do your best, accept that he's probably going to get 100 yards with the ball, and – you know, it's the old thing in basketball. Take uh, take everybody else away and let Jordan get his. Uh, not to that extreme, but I think there's a little bit of that. And then I think what you have to do is go into it saying, we have a really good offense that should match up as long as we can block Chris Jones to be able to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the charge, I mean, uh, the, the, the Chiefs secondary has uh, three rookies in it, and they've given up some big plays. They're not great defensively. They're very good. But they're not great. I think the Jaguars, when they're playing well, can be great offensively. The reason I say that to get to my point is, you know, you're probably not going to stop Kelsey. You're probably not going to stop the Chiefs' offense. But if you can have a couple of series where you get them into some bad down and distance situations, then you can break serve on them a couple of times, get a couple of turnovers like you did early, get to a game like Cincinnati played against them last year, which was. Uh, when they got a little flustered, Mahomes didn't play great in that second half. Uh, realize that if you play your game, this team is not unbeatable in the playoffs in Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. They lost to uh, they lost New England in the championship game. They lost to Cincinnati in the championship game. They've lost five times at Arrowhead since this thing started with Andy Reid. Um, use that a little bit and say, it's going to be tough, but if we can get a lead on these guys late by playing good offense, this defense, meaning the Jaguars' defense, has been in this situation before. They've given up points and then get a big play. I think that's your formula. All right, let's wrap with this, and it it, it does deal with uh, w- with getting with Mahomes because you know obviously Doug Peterson 
and Jag fans have to love this, he's trying to win. He does everything he can to try to win. And, and there's been some unpredictability with some play calls. I mean, that fourth and one to run east and west and the T uh, is, is amazing to me. So let's go to the other side. Is, is this a game? And you mentioned, you know, Mahomes and the possibility of trying to fluster him. Could we see some change in coverage here? Could we see some sort of an exotic blitzes coming from different directions? I know if you just blitz him in general, he's going to kill you. Right. He's, he's the master at that. But maybe trying to show him a little something here now defensively that he hasn't seen. Maybe every now and then. I don't think you go into that as your staple because I think percentage-wise, if you do it a lot, as you said, the percentages tell you that if you do it a lot, you're going to give up a lot. But in big situations, uh, yes. It, at, at the key moments, yes. Because I also don't think you can necessarily just sit back and let him dink and dunk the whole game because he's better at that than he used to be. I still think that's the formula. Keep stuff in front of you. Try to get into down and distance situations that favor you. Then bring the exotic a little bit. But I just think at some point you're going to have to keep pace with them. I, I think, Rick, overall, the game plan that they could have, be down 17-13 at half, 21-14 at half, and then have Trevor get into one of these zones that he gets into and all of a sudden sort of lap him a little bit, get ahead, and then fluster him once. And then all of a sudden the game is short, and then you get flustered in Kansas City has to press. To me, that's the sort of pacing of game that could play into the Jaguars' favor. Uh, and I do think when that happens and you start pressing a little bit, then you blitz and get to them once, and then the advantage is on you. I think that's the sort of game you got to play. Well, the, the one number that sticks out for me that favors Jacksonville is a difference of eight in the turnover-to-takeaway ratio. Jacksonville's plus five, Kansas City's minus three. Yeah, Kansas City has struggled there more than they usually do. So that's what I'm saying. Just like in 96, and I keep using these, these scenarios, there was a little stat that everybody overlooked that the Broncos weren't very good against the run on a yards-per-play deal. And the Jaguars really exposed that. Nobody talked about it coming in. Yeah, There's a couple of little stats, like you're talking about, uh, the turnover ratio, not necessarily great against the run, Kansas City. They've given up more than 100 yards rushing, I think, I think 11 times or maybe 13, somewhere in there. Little things like that. Maybe we're looking back at this game next week saying we should have paid more attention to those. Get it to the analytics department. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right, Johnny. Safe travels, man. Always a lot of fun. Thank you. Rick, thanks, buddy. We'll, right. we'll there, talk to you. There you go. Senior writer, Jaguars.com. John Osher. Always appreciate his time. Yeah, you, you you know, I'm always looking at numbers. I'm trying to figure stuff out. I mean, last week, how many times did I say 5.4 yards a carry? JJ, it was historic. The last time there was a team defense that allowed 5.4 yards a carry, you have to go back to 1959. Los Angeles could not stop the run, and Jackson was forced to get away from it because they turned the ball over. And when it was all said and done, it was still 20 carries for 109 yards for ETN, albeit he did get 25 on that last carry, but, I mean, you look here. Um, 12 interceptions by Mahomes. They had a couple of lost fumbles. Uh, they had six lost fumbles. So, 
that is where they're at. And, and they have not been a great defense when it comes to taking the football away. That, that is a little bit of a surprise. 11 this year for Kansas City. So Peterson that is loves passing the ball so much that if they were playing like a peewee team, he probably would still throw the ball 30 times. Osher pointed it out, and we said it earlier in the program. I mean, they have three corners who are rookies. Uh, first rounder in Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, who was selected in the seventh round, has actually been a starter when they and, – and, you know, Kansas City is very similar to Jacksonville in that I think that they will begin the game in nickel coverage. You know, they're, they understand that Jacksonville is going to be in three wide receiver sets. And that is how they are going to come out. So you're going to get that with them in nickel. And, you know, Ladarius Sneed uh, is a guy who hasn't been 100%. And Joshua Williams, another rookie, has been forced to play. So and if you add Brian Cook to the mix, man, that's four rookies. Cook's a safety who are drawing. Now, at this point, you can make the point they're no longer rookies, whatever. But these kids have never played in a game of this magnitude playing in this type of environment with what is on the line. All right, let's continue with you and your thoughts. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Much more to get into with the Jaguars as they head to face the Chiefs coming up Saturday at 430. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5. Best way to join us is on the text line that is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. JJ, what do we have for the listeners right now? I know we have a huge event that is coming up right here. We at have a pair of tickets to the Big Band of Brothers, a jazz celebration to the Allman Brothers, January 25th at the Ponte Vedra Concert Hall. Let's take the first caller, 641-1010, who can answer this question. Who on the 2022-slash-January of 2023 Kansas City Chiefs has caught a pass as a member of the Chiefs who also caught a pass as a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars? 641-1010. We're going to take them live. We're just going to bring them right on the air. You got a couple of tickets. Tell us about that show again for crying out loud. You it said sounds it's a, like it's a jazz, concert hall. It sounds like it's a jazz band who plays Allman Brothers music, which that actually sounds pretty badass. And it is at the PV? Correct. Very intimate. I've passed it many a time, never actually been. I was making out there once during a Christopher <laughs> Cross concert. It's true. You Let's ready? just take him live on air. Right. Yes, uh, a guy who's caught a pass this year in Kansas City who also caught a pass in his career right here in Jacksonville. First up, who am I talking to? This is Jack from Ponte Vedra. Who is it, young man? Uh, uh, Dorsett. It is not. It is not. It is not. Is Where is Dorsett? Is he in Houston? I think Philip Dorsett is in Houston. Okay, appreciate it. We'll take the next caller, 641 
who on the Kansas City Chiefs has caught a football pass, has caught a pass this year, who has also caught a pass um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, this must be a great question because for the first time ever, I mean, usually we could be giving out a 10-10XL toothpick and, and you'd have 9,000 people calling. Well, we did a music question last time. They knew it immediately. Here we go. We got some. Yeah, here they come in now. 641-1010. Uh, you are next up. Who's this? Take the next caller, 641 uh, Gloria. That is me. Okay, uh, turn on the radio, please. Uh, how are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Give us your answer, please. I'm thinking Evan Ingram. It is not Evan Ingram. Thank you very much. And, uh, again, I, I want to be clear about the question. It is a former Jaguar who caught a pass as a member of the Jags, has now caught a pass for the Kansas City Chiefs, 641-1010. When you call in, please turn down your radio. All right, next up, who's this, please? Colin. Okay, what do you got for us? I got Zay Jones. It is not Zay Jones. Oh, my goodness. Once again, a a former Jaguar. Yep, it's a former Jag who is now in Kansas City and has actually caught a ball this year. Next up, who's this, please? It's Khalil. All right, your answer, please. Uh, Bell. It Tight is. End Bell. It is Blake Bell, the one time I believe quarterback for Oklahoma yes. who shifted over to uh, tight end. You are correct. Um, congratulations. You're going to go to the show. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very. Give me a score before I let you go. Woo. I'm going to go with uh, thirty-one twenty-eight. Jags. That'd, that'd be a fun one. Hang in the line. You get to talk with JJ. Congratulations. There you go. The answer is Blake Bell. And, you know, I just knew I knew I was going to do this just a moment ago, so I looked it up, and I was like, man, I hope there's not another guy in here uh, that I missed because I don't want the masses to get angry with me. Blake Bell uh, drafted in 2015, fourth-round pick by San Francisco. Okay. He spent 15 and 16 in San Fran, 2017 in Minnesota, came here to Jacksonville in 2018, played 10 games, had eight receptions for 67 yards. 2019 went to Kansas City, 2020 went to Dallas, 2021 and 2022 back in Kansas City. So there you go. Congratulations. You are the, uh, the big winner to that show. Uh, the latest injury report, I just talked about Legereus Sneed. He is the starter at, you know, the right cornerback position. He's had a hip, but he has practiced in full both on Tuesday and Wednesday. Talked a little bit about uh, the backup uh, cornerback, Joshua Williams, who's been, who has played this year. He was selected in the fourth round. Of course, we also talked about the fact that Trent McDuffie's basically their nickelback as their first rounder, and he's a starter for the most part. Uh, Their starting 11 is three corners and two safeties, obviously uh, one less linebacker. On the other side is Jalen Watson, a seventh-round draft pick, who has been a starting corner as well. But back to their injury report, uh, McCole Hardman, he hasn't played because of his pelvis injury. He's been out since November 6th, and he has not worked yet this week you know, the assumption is just plug in Kadarius Tony. 
but I love Hardman. He, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. That guy is explosive from anywhere in the football field. You hate injuries, but if he's unable to give it a go, uh, that's just the way things are. Frank Clark limited with the growing. Frank Clark this year, he's heard about it a little bit. Not the normal production. You know, five sacks for Frank Clark. Of course, Chris Jones is probably the closest thing in the league to well, I don't want to go Sam. You know, I don't want to go Aaron Donald. Um, can I go Quinn and Williams? I mean, the guy had 15 and a half sacks this year. Um, so, obviously, playing some really good football. But the latest on Frank Clark, limited with his groin. And uh, Sky Moore, wide receiver with a hand, practice in full. For Jacksonville, there are six players, and each and every one of them are – are listed as questionable, so actually are limited. So a couple of guys were upgraded today. Ross Matisic, the deep snapper, did not practice yesterday, limited today. Brandon Sheriff, the uh, the right guard with the abdomen, didn't practice on Tuesday, practiced today. The other four guys remain limited Tuesday and Wednesday. That includes Trevor Lawrence with his toe, Jamal Agnew with his shoulder, Kendrick Pryor with his shoulder and added to the injury report this week, center Luke Fortner with a back has been limited both Tuesday and Wednesday. We will get the official injury report for the week tomorrow. Travel day Friday, game time coming up at 4.30 on, uh, on Saturday. You, you know, I'm... um. I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure everything out and I, I I look at so many different factors in the game and it's it's about killing the beast, right? You got to cut the head off the snake, if you will, because if you look at the setting, I mean, look at the setting here. And I know a lot of people left. I bumped into a few today who like silently told me, yeah, I left, I left. I'm like, it's okay, man. You left. It was cold. You left, but whatever. Um, this has a college football feel. I've been to Arrowhead a few times. And it, it's a nasty place to go ahead and try to win a football game. You also really look at the weather. Okay? Um, I spent the last eight years as a sideline reporter. I'm not doing it this year. I don't remember a game in the snow. The coldest game that I covered over the last eight years, was in Nashville. It wasn't in Buffalo. It wasn't in Kansas City. It wasn't in Foxborough. It wasn't in Chicago. It wasn't in, it was in Nashville. They're calling for just brutal weather on Saturday. You know, it's going to be dark, 4.30. I guess that'll be 3.30 Central time. It's, you know, listen, I spent seven years in Chicago. I went months without even seeing the sun. And I'm not lying to you. You know, I wouldn't do that. That's not even radio embellishment. Okay, I, I mean, Chicago's a nice place, right? Yeah, you can have it. I would literally go months without even seeing the sun. I know I said it twice, but it, it, uh, it's true. There's going to be no sunlight. It's going to be dark, and it's going to be cold. So I, I look at things like that, and, you know, I do wonder. They, they all really do favor Kansas City. You know, those type of intangibles. They've been in so many of these big games. What I wonder is, will they overlook? And 
you don't get a lot of that in the NFL. You get it in college football. This is a professional organization. The fan base and the media, they're not even going to bat an eye. But what about the locker room? What about the leadership with that locker room? And all of a sudden, you look around the league, it's crazy. I mean, Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden is what? The second oldest quarterback out of the eight that remain. It's only Dak Prescott who's older. Prescott's 29. Mahomes is 27. Allen and Burrow are 26. Daniel Jones, 25. Hurts, 24. Purdy and Lawrence, both 23. What does that say about the NFL? You realize this is the first time since, I forget the year. This is the first time, I believe, since 2011 that either Brady or Rodgers is not playing during the divisional round. I mean, it's really been a changing of the guard at the quarterback position. All right, let's take it, let's get back to it and grab your final thoughts. Uh, we'll try to get some of these off of the uh, the text line, which has just been burning up tonight. We do appreciate it, as always. 641-1010, uh, that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Again, tomorrow, we'll be out in Orange Park. We'll be out at Fleming Island at Mr. Chubby's Wings from 6 until 8. If you're in the hood, we'd love to see you out there. We get even closer to kickoff coming up on Saturday. The Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I went home with a waitress The way I always do How was I to know She was with the Russians too Ah, a little bit of Warren Zevon, the great album, Lawyers, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Um, one of my all-time favorites. Just play the entire album, kids. Thank me later. I, uh, I got a little tongue-tied there. I, I stuttered there a little bit because I just realized I've missed the first seven minutes of Bruins Islanders, which is on TNT right now. No score. Hockey's really picking up. Hockey's been phenomenal. And, you know, we all need ours, right? Once football ends, people are going to dive into this, dive into that. We've only got, what, seven games left? Four this weekend, two during Championship Sunday, then a Super Bowl. How great is it to have Jacksonville still involved? I, I, I do want to wrap it up with, with some of your texts, but I did see – I'm seeing a lot of power rankings for quarterbacks. And, yeah, I think I'll save this perhaps for early tomorrow unless something major breaks. But it's Mahomes one, no argument there. I mean, he's the best on the planet. Then it goes Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy. I certainly agree with Lawrence being ahead of Jones in Purdy, but did they get it right? Now, I'm not, the, the question is not being asked if you were starting an organization today, who would you want? Obviously, Dak Prescott is 29, Trevor Lawrence is 23. The question that is being asked is a power ranking. Who's going to lead you to a victory? 
this week and on. I think it's a fairly accurate, fairly accurate ranking. I, I, I do. I, I honestly believe that, that Trevor Lawrence has a chance to get to number two this year if he won Saturday and then won in Buffalo and obviously went up against Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. But that's a tall order at this particular time. They all have more experience. Several years for Prescott. Of course, Hurts and Burrow have an extra year. Josh Allen, um, a couple of years. And then Patrick Mahomes, as we said, he's already 27 years of age. So they have all played much more in this league than the 23-year-old Trevor Lawrence, who will not be 24 until October of 2023. And in a lot of circles as well, you know, I also do believe that last year was a rookie season for Trevor Lawrence. It was a lost year. A uh, couple of numbers before I get to your text as well. I was trying to get into it earlier, but somehow I got sidetracked. You look at Kansas City, man, they score on 70% of their red zone opportunities. Just filthy. Okay. Defensively, they give up a lot. 37 of 55 is what they allow. Okay, so that's, um, um, I, I don't have the percentage in front of me. I think it was 67% is what they do allow uh, defensively. You look at Jacksonville's red zone offense, 31 of 58. That's 53.4%. And defensively, 31 of 32, 59.6%. So room for improvement across the board uh, for Jacksonville, it's certainly better than it was a year ago, but the one number that really sticks out for me is Kansas City's red zone offense. They get inside the red zone. Three points is not what they're looking for. It isn't. You know who their place kicker is, by the way? Um, any, any idea? Actually, I have no idea. The place kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, Butker, of course. It's Matthew Wright, isn't it? Oh. It's got to be Matthew Wright. Cut here. Back during um, the offseason. Let's see. Yeah, it is him. Last kick was against... um, Actually, wait, he's out now. That was December 4th. It's now January Yeah, he was filling 9th. in while Butker was hurt, and I think Butker's back, so he's out of a job again. Perhaps he is. He played... Maybe he should be a Cowboy. Seven games. Cowboys just added a quarterback. It just trickled in. You know, the, it says here, they Vizcaino. I believe he was here, right? I mean, Who Tristan Vizcaino, uh, I think he came in for like a... A walkthrough or, or, or something. I mean, what a disaster the kicking game was. Man, out of all the goodness that happened, can you imagine if Rowley Patterson missed that field goal? Wow, the folks would have turned. And I, I, I hate playing. Actually, I don't hate playing the what-if game. I, I kind of like playing uh, the what-if game. All right, let's wrap it up with a few from you. Uh, let's see if I can find them here. My gosh, thank you for all your participation tonight. It, it is amazing, all of the feedback uh, that I have received. Uh, Baloo, um, what do you think about using Trevor's legs more this game? Quarterbacks have had a decent uh, rushing games against the Chiefs. It's it's really slowed as of late. Incredibly. I mean, what do you have? One carry last week or, or two carries last week? You had the 20 uh, by Travis Etienne for, 
you know, 109 yards, but he just has not been running like what we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, he had one carry for eight yards. Absolutely against Kansas City. And, you know, you need one side to open up the other. It's the run to go against these young defensive backs, these rookies, or if you're having a lot of success passing the football, then you're able to turn around and generate a little bit more when it comes to running the football. 1203 says, uh, yada, yada, yada. The answer about the Jags' slow start is that Trevor is still a rookie at heart. In the first quarter, he gets nervous and does not get really comfortable until later in the game. He misses throws, and he misses reads. Eh, Maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, You know, it's confusing to me because, as I said, I sit next to Dave Campo, and it looked to me early in the game the other night that Jaguar wide receivers were not getting open early. And the pressure, I, I thought L.A. got a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. You, you look at pro football focus, they don't agree with it, okay? Little allowed zero pressures on 39 dropbacks. Uh, dropbacks, Walker Little. Juwan Taylor allowed four pressures. Brandon Sheriff allowed two. Shatley won and Fortner won. I mean, my eyes say that that was different. But that's what Pro Football Focus is telling you. It got better as the game went on. That's that's the whole point of kind of what I was trying to get at tonight. This this team gets better as it it's like Bob Probert. Okay, go go back and watch old school hockey fights. All right, Probert later. In the fight, you know, you go 20 seconds, all of a sudden you get the 30, 35, 40, 45. That's when Probert gets the jersey off and starts throwing rights and an occasional left. He got stronger in the battle. That's what Jacksonville's doing. They get better as the game goes along. They're still going to have to put up some points early in order to win at KC. Thank you to John Osher. Thank you to Philly Godfather. Thank you to JJ. Join us tomorrow. Live from Mr. Chubby's Wings, Fleming Island, 6 to 8.